Hey everybody, this is Jeff Friedman. Welcome to my podcast where we talk about improv comedy, the history of Jewish humor, and trauma in comedy. Today's interview is with Fern Perlstein. She's a big role model of mine, writer and director of The Last Laugh. It's a documentary that deals with traumatic subjects in comedy, and one that it features in particular is the Holocaust. I think we touched on some really interesting stuff, and I hope you enjoy the interview. Here's Fern Perlstein. Before I get into specifics, I kind of want to ask you broadly, um, how do you define Jewish humor, if you define it at all? Do you think you just kind of know it when you see it, or is it something more specific in terms of rhythm or subject matter? I mean, the only thing I would say is there's a self-deprecating humor that is unique to Jewish. Well, let me start over. There's a self-deprecating humor that is in Jewish humor. I don't, it's not necessarily unique to it, but it's very, that's what makes Jewish humor unique. You know, okay. like that. So it would be hard to find a piece of Jewish humor without some sort of. No, I'm not saying that. Okay. I'm saying, you know, like a, there's a certain kind that is one kind of Jewish humor that, Jewish people are associated with that kind of Larry David sort of, you know, I don't know. I mean, it's interesting because I I get stumped when I'm asked this question because my film isn't necessarily about Jewish humor. It's about humor that deals with something that happened to Jewish people. You know, there are Jewish people that are making the jokes there are non-Jewish people making the jokes and that's what makes people uncomfortable. So I don't feel like I'm an expert in Jewish humor necessarily. So, um, so Fern, do you think that maybe your film actually is sort of refer it in terms of extrapolation? Like, do you think it maybe references more humor that deals with, you know, tragic situations as opposed to humor dealing with the history of the Jewish people? Yes, I think, okay. well, I think that it the, the, the humor in The Last Laugh deals with, it's gallows humor. It's um, humor used to, um, you know, as, a, as like a self-defense, a defense mechanism. It's humor um, to bring down someone in power. I mean, that's very much like the humor that Mel Brooks is known for, right? You know, sort of bringing down, you know, Hitler through humor. That's his, that's his thing. So I think it's a lot to do with, um, you know... It, there's someone in the film, Edgar Carrot. he's a writer from Israel, and he says, you know, uh, humor is the weapon of the weak. I, you know, like the people in power don't need humor, you know, that, in, that, that is what he's getting at. So I think that that's what it's about, but definitely gallows humor. Okay. Um, Interesting. Okay. I want to get into that more later, but first I want to ask, do you personally identify with the label Jewish filmmaker or, you know, 
maybe going off of that, like, do you think The Last Laugh is definitely a Jewish film? Not necessarily. I don't necessarily think The Last Laugh is a Jewish film. I think, you know, um, it opens up into other subjects that are too taboo for humor. Um, I have had audiences. I mean, it's been in over a hundred film festivals all over the world, not just Jewish audiences. I had one man in his sixties who was gay and he, and he stood up and he started to cry and he said, you know, I lost a lot of my friends during the AIDS crisis. And this, this film speaks to my personal Holocaust. So I, I think that, um, I think there's the, possibly the perception that it's a Jewish film. But when people who are not Jewish see it and they find other ways to relate to it and they find a way into learning about the Holocaust in a way they weren't expecting, um, I think, you know, I think it, it, it serves that purpose as well. That said, I think, you know, there there is a strong Jewish audience for this film as well, you know? Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of Jewish people... I think, um, tend to identify really closely with their name, you know? Um, and I think Pearlstein's a pretty Jewish sounding name. Um, uh-huh. and I'm wondering, you know, do you see your name as being a, a central part of your identity as a Jew, um, or as a filmmaker? Um, well, I didn't change my name when I got married, okay. so maybe, yeah. yes. Um, I mean, this is a funny story. So I have a question for you. Okay. Is your, what is your study? What are you studying? Well, like, are you studying filmmaking? <laughs> are you studying Jewish humor? Well, what, what is I'm your- studying, um, I'm doing the media studies major at Pomona College um, on the film video production track. So I see. that's really my focus. But um, I have a lot of interests, you know, in like, Judaism, especially like the culture of it is, is really what I feel connected to. And I also love improv comedy. So mm-hmm. um, I'm trying to, I was trying to sort of connect a lot of those things with this project right. in ways that I don't want, I don't ever want them to feel like I'm forcing them. And I've had to sort of um, tell some of the people I've been interviewing, like, hey, I'm not necessarily saying like, just because a lot of your characters seem Jewish to me that you're trying to act Jewish characters. Um, but I'm, I'm trying to find a way maybe to connect them. Um, so in that sense, a lot of my questions might seem like they're coming from a lot of different angles. And that's partly because I'm still really trying to figure out what my, what my exact, if I have an argument, like what my argument's going to be. I see. I see. Okay. Well, um, you know, I've been making films for a very long time and I've, you know, that I, I, let me tell you a funny story about my name. So we, when I I started working with a producer and she knew and was friendly with Michael Gruskoff who produced Young Frankenstein and she introduced us to him and he really championed us to one of his best friends, Mel Brooks. And when he tried convincing Mel to do it after a while, he, 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 you know, cause Mel said they, well, all the comedians, they say no to everything, but Mel Brooks, you know, especially gets asked to do everything. And he said, no. And then finally Michael says to him, but Mel, 
Her name is Fern Perlstein. Fern Perlstein. How can you say no to Fern Perlstein? <laughs> so in that regard, he finally said, well, he finally said yes. So it, it meant something to me there. So. Hmm. Um, do you find that, you know, in your work and, you know, specifically in the last laugh, but really in anything, um, are you improvising often? How, how often would it be, you know, when you were making the film that you would stray, um, maybe from a list of scripted questions? Um, you know, so with each, with each interviewee, we had a base list of questions. And then if somebody said yes, like Mel Brooks or Sarah Silverman, we would do massive research on everything about them that was related. And we would add to our list of questions. But of course, while you're talking to people, while you're interviewing people, you have to stay open and, you know, push for a whole new set of answers you hadn't, you know, thought about, you know, or that, that you hoped for, but, and you have to have an ear for that. So sure. I would say, you know, a good third of the interviews are follow-ups to things that they said that came from a, an original question, but went somewhere else based on, you know, how the conversation was going. And do you think sometimes that that's where the real good stuff comes out is in those follow-ups? I mean, personally, to me, I think where the good stuff comes is from anecdotes. Okay. I really love to hear anecdotes. So sometimes, depending on the kind of research you do, you either can find those things beforehand in some cases, or you could push for them while you're interviewing. And mm -hmm. I kind of try to do both. Have you worked creatively um, with or alongside Jews uh, in a lot of your films? And no, no. So, no. what kinds of differences came out? My last film was about Westerners and sumo wrestling. Okay, it had a really cool <laughs> title. So, do you find a lot of differences in terms of your creative process? Um, in no, not in those two films. Okay. Actually very similar. I had mm. worked them out very much beforehand. I shot in film. I'm a cinematographer. So mm -hmm. in both cases, in the process of raising money, I wrote dozens and dozens and dozens of proposals, which helped me hone the story. So my style is very similar, actually. And... Um, you know, and my approach is very similar. So even though the films themselves are very different, you know, I think, you know, people who know me, like a friend of mine from film school, when she saw The Last Laugh, said something like, I'm giving you the, the compliment that I can say the most, that this is a Fern Perlstein film. <laughs> so I took that as, a, you know, like that it had a distinct style. There was something about it that was similar to my other films. So, <laughs> you know... So I'm not going to get back to the role model question yet, but one thing I'm wondering in the same vein is um, whether this aspect of maybe the fairness or morality of humor um, played a role at all in your introduction to the world of filmmaking. Uh, when you first got the itch. To make films. To make films. It wasn't necessarily, I mean, I'm drawn to humor personally, 
And that's why I was drawn to this idea, which came to me in 1993. Right. But um, I would say most of the documentaries I've worked on have been pretty serious. So, you know, this, it was just, you know, you know, the last laugh really was meaningful to me because I got to do something serious about humor. You know, I mean, yeah. it's not a comedy. It's a it's a serious film with comic moments yeah. or about comedy. Mm -hmm. Do you think that like the style of Jewish humor lends itself to dark topics? Well, because, uh, you know, there's a lot of gallows humor in Jewish humor and there's a lot of self-deprecating humor and it's a lot of humor about difficult experiences and the difficulties they've gone through as a people. I mean, look at, you know, Fiddler on the Roof, you know, it's a, you know, Sholem Aleichem made, made comic stories, you know, about, you know, getting thrown out of Russia. So, you know, I just think that that's embedded in the humor. In terms of, you know, this kind of, um, using comedy, um, the, the power sort of the power dynamic that comes with a lot of it. Um, you know, I've heard the term punching up versus punching down. Yeah. yeah. And, and I'm wondering like, um, when it comes to the distinction between making jokes about Nazis and making jokes about victims of the Holocaust, um, do you think that that's a distinction that applies to every comedian, no matter who's making a joke? I, I think that jokes about this sort of stuff, it's, it, it's really all about intent. You know, like what are your intentions? If, you know, a Jewish person is telling a Holocaust joke, you know, as a form of release, you know, it's one thing. That same joke told by a neo-Nazi suddenly doesn't have the same intention. So I think that's what it is. You know, uh, there's punching up is what Mel Brooks does, right? He makes fun of Nazis. He makes fun of Hitler. He makes fun of, you know, the people in power that are abusing the power. Um, punching down is making fun of someone, is making a joke at a person's expense for something they can't control. So, you know, that's where the intention, you know, intention comes into it for me. Okay. Um, do you think that there is, uh, do you think that the generational aspect is, significant to that as well in terms of someone who is who has actually lived through an experience or who is less removed from an experience yeah maybe i mean more permission well in my change. film i think you see there's like three generations of responses right you've got mel brooks who was making nazi jokes five years after the war in the catskills you know or he and carl reiner making jokes in the writer's room of you know your show of shows that's a certain kind of humor, right? It's not about the camps. It's not about the victims. 
Then you have the next generation, you know, who are starting to, you know, be a little bit more distant, have a little more distance and make jokes that are, you know, possibly even, you know, approaching jokes about Anne Frank or the, the victims and, you know, in a way that, you know, hopefully still has good intentions. But then you have Sarah Silverman's generation and her jokes are so meta and so another step removed where it's they're almost, uh, they're ironic and sarcastic. And when she says, you know, the alleged Holocaust, she's making fun of Holocaust deniers. You know, she, she, there are people though, then there's a generation gap because Renee in my film, who wasn't offended by Sarah Silverman's jokes, but didn't necessarily get them. She took them at face value, not getting the layers and how meta they are and stuff. So I do think with every generation, and then the risk is, the fear is the next generation, after all the survivors are gone, who have no recollection of this, you know, lose any humanity in the, in the jokes. It's really interesting because I think intention is extremely important too. Um, and I think, you know, it was really clear to me personally that with that joke, Sarah Silverman intended to make fun of Holocaust deniers. But I feel like every, every class I've taken in college has tried to teach me that intentionality doesn't matter at all. And the only thing that matters is how somebody would interpret that joke. Wow. Well, that begs that that introduces the whole thing that's happening on college campuses with the politically correct movement and comedians and all of that, which my film didn't really um, intersect with that until the recent politics, because mm -hmm. my film came out, you know, two and a half years ago. And a lot has changed since it's come out. Mm -hmm. So to what extent did you, I mean, I know, you know, um, it sounds like a friend of yours sort of uh, had a written thesis on this topic. I mean, but to what extent did you go into your interviews um, already with a cohesive argument in mind? Well, I mean, if you watch the film, you'll see that I don't think it's a black and white issue. So I didn't have a, I didn't, you know, I, I think that it is so a matter of, you know, what is the intent? Who is the audience? Who is telling the joke? What are the circumstances? Where are you telling the joke? You know, there's so many different factors. And so I changed how I thought about it with each individual I spoke to, because each individual had a completely different way of thinking about it. And to what extent or how much time did you spend thinking about um, your audience for the film? You know, um, you know, generally generationally or in terms of um, whether it'd be mostly Jewish people watching it. It sounds like, you know, there are a ton of non-Jewish audiences who did end up watching it, but was yeah. that a surprise to you? Yeah. Now it's no, I mean, that's what I was hoping for. Yeah. I was working towards that. Okay. You know, now it's on Netflix and it's, you know, it's getting a completely wide. And it was on PBS, which is not a Jewish audience necessarily. 
So it's getting a completely, you know, diverse audience. Well, diverse. Let me take that back. I don't know. It's it's getting a broad audience, mm-hmm. you know, Jewish, non-Jewish. Um, but I was going to say something else and it completely, I completely forgot. Um, oh, I was, you asked, I'm sorry, you asked me how long, you know, I was thinking about the audience. Well, My friend handed me his academic paper, The Last Laugh, in 1993, Mm -hmm. and I finally got money in 2011. (laughs) So I had a lot of time to think about it. Yeah. So, I mean, to what extent did you hope to change viewers' opinions of... I didn't try. That was the thing. I don't... I didn't want to change people's views. I wanted them... I wanted to open up... like ideas wanted to open it up and, and, and have a discussion. And the thing, if you're asking me what surprised me about the film, it was how much people want to discuss it. Like the discussion around the films have been the most incredible part, part of the entire experience for me. Hmm. You know, I didn't expect it to be, I mean, I thought it'd be interesting, but I didn't know it would continue and, grow and with the changing political climate, it continues to change and people continue to want to talk about it. So I wanted to present these ideas and talk about it. And that's what's been happening. You know, I asked you a bit about improv um, and because a big part of this project, actually, I'm not sure if I told you is um, I took an improv class at the Upright Citizens Brigade Theater and um, I'm sort of trying to, you know, analyze Curb really closely in particular. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm wondering, you know, um, do you think that there's something about the work of comedians like Larry David that lends itself to the improvisational style naturally at all? I mean, I don't know him, so, but I, I suspect yes. Okay. <laughs> you know, I, I suspect he's, you know... I, I mean, I, it's hard to know that without knowing him personally. But it's and it sounds as though improv comedy hasn't in, in any way played a big role in your life or in your work. Not really. Okay. No. Although my my daughter wants to be an improv comedian. She's seven. <laughs> oh wow! Wow. Okay, that's awesome. So it may maybe come back to that a couple <laughs> years from now. <laughs> okay. Awesome. Um, so I. Uh, I want to let you go soon. I don't want to keep you too much longer, but, um, you know, I do see humor as a way of coping with pain, you know, tragedy and potentially Mm -hmm. trauma. And, you know, it sounds as though um, you would agree with the statement, you know, Jews use or have used comedy um, as a way of coping as many groups of people have. Um, But I'm wondering, you know, do you think that that statement is in any way an oversimplification that, you know, in a sense, it can't be boiled down to that so easily? Well, what I don't think it can be boiled down to that it's just Jewish people that use humor as a coping mechanism. Right. You know, sometimes I'll have people in audiences say that to me, like, don't you think that, you know, Jews, you know, are the only people that do that? And I don't think that. I think that humor is often... um it, it is a coping mechanism. It's not a coping mechanism for everybody, 
but it is for many people and it is a coping mechanism for people who have, you know, who have suffered in different ways. And in at one of the outtakes in my film is a Rwandan woman who Renee, the survivor in the film, interviews about how her whole family died in the genocide and asks her, does she, can she, could she find any humor? Does she use humor as a coping mechanism? And she tells an incredibly touching and funny story to us. Um, so I, I, I don't, I, that's where, I, that's where it's a, it's a problem for me when people think it's just something that Jewish people do. One of my absolute favorite parts of the film, I believe it was her, was, was when it came up that um, sort of, you know, groups in the camp sometimes would sit around and plan these sort of hypothetical dinner parties and things. And no, nobody was necessarily laughing, but, um, you know, to me, that, that resembles an improv scene. And if you put that up on stage, it's like, okay, what's who, what, where, okay, we're people, um, sitting in a dining room, planning a dinner party. Um, even though, you know, we know it's not going to happen. Um, whether that's because you're on an improv stage and obviously you're not going to have dinner or if you're in a concentration camp, you know, like to right. me that that's so improvisational. And I mean, seeing your films, like your film in a lot of ways really, really inspired this project. Wow. Thank you. Thank you so much, Fern. I really appreciate it. All right. Bye-bye. Right, take care. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening, everybody. That was Fern Perlstein, a really big role model of mine, as you can probably tell. And if you want to check out her film that we talked about so much, it is The Last Laugh. It's available on Netflix, and I really, really, really recommend it. Thank you, Particles, for the music. Thanks for listening, and talk to you next time, everybody.